Hiya. Welcome back to Misadventurous with me, Tiffany Rouge. This is the podcast that inspires you to change your world for the better, to help get you out of your comfort zone and start making positive change in your life. It gives you a look into someone else's life who is just like you, but has achieved extraordinary things. I share these stories with you to give you an example and so that you can use their advice, their situations and the stories as a way to live a more fulfilled life yourself. This is your haven of positivity that keeps you accountable. It advocates for you to be a nicer person, including to yourself, and helps you with your own self-awareness. If you're the type of adventurer that sees life as one big adventure, no matter how big or small, and if you're looking to take that leap to start making positive change in your life and create your own significant path, this podcast is for you. So go on, hit subscribe, and while you're at it, tell a friend. So this week we're celebrating. We just hit 700 downloads. Thank you so much for listening, sharing, liking and loving what I do. So big congratulations to you for being part of this journey with me because I'm building a community of positivity. And if you've listened to one or any of my other episodes, well done and thank you. So today's episode is all about perspective and how any of life's events, whether great, bad, amazing, terrible, good, ugly, beautiful, they can be taken to any other level when you change your perspective. I'm real talking with one of Australia's funniest ladies, Fiona O'Loughlin. She's done some really cool stuff in her time. She's done the comedy circuit for years and after getting her start in South Australia, she's gone on to win the nation's hardest game show, I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here, where she spent three months in the South African jungle. Not only that, Fiona's a recovering alcoholic who ended up in a coma and had to endure months of rehab only to come out of it all and still want to do stand-up, stand up on stage and make people laugh about her life and her misfortunes. I got a lot of admiration for anyone who can turn a near-death experience into something great. And I think it's super powerful. You definitely want to stick around for this one. You may have noticed that this episode sounds a little bit different. That's because Chris and the legends at Sounds Like an Earful have really helped me out with a lot of imaging and some sound. Sounds Like an Earful is a really awesome resource if you're looking for royalty-free music to use on your podcast or your ads or anything else. So definitely go and check out Chris and the team at soundslikeanearful.com. I'll put a link to the best place to find all this music in the show notes. After all that rescheduling, what is the most amount of reschedules that you've gotten away with, just with friends or whatever, and still managed to make the plans? Do you ever keep count at all? Oh, I'm shocking. <laughs> I I think there's still people waiting for me. <laughs> uh, I was born like, I'm going to be late for my own funeral, literally. <laughs> Were you late the other way, though? Were you a, a late baby? Uh, I don't know about my actual birth. I know I was born feet first, which is weird. Mm, like a slide. Um, it was back in the olden days, obviously, because I'm 55. And my mother was a nurse, and one of her nursing mates was helping her deliver me. And she said to my mother, oh, shit, Deirdre, there's a pair of purple feet sticking out. <laughs> she said, here, you have a cigarette, and I'll go get the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, that's amazing. I'll just be born smoking. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, are you a smoker now? Have you kicked the habit since? Or Look, I'm down to three a day. Oh, well done. That's really good. I know, a, doc- a doctor once said to me, he said, smoking doesn't kill you. Smoking too much kills you. <laughs> and um, he said, you can smoke three a day. It's the same as living in New York, but I don't know. I shouldn't be spouting benefits of smoking. <laughs> I've just had to give so much up. Fair enough. I mean, that whole giving up alcohol thing, I tried to do it and failed miserably. Ended up stealing chocolate from shops because I had zero self-control. So well done. Oh, thanks. Yeah, the chocolate. Thank (laughs) God for sweet. I'm very proud. I always say that I am proud um, that I never, ever smoked inside with the children. Mm. If I needed a cigarette, they had to go out. (laughs) Show them young. (laughs) Um, By the way, I heard you on the podcast, uh, Confessions of the Idiots with Sam Peterson. You were bloody brilliant in it. Oh, really? Yeah. I can listen to it. What are we talking about? Oh, my gosh. It's so good. It's you and someone else, and you guys just riff off so many awesome things. I reckon he sounds really good because I'm a long-time podcast listener of him now. Um, he sounds really yeah, good when there's two people there. he's got a great little podcast going. It's fun. Yeah. How did that I happen? Oh, Sam and I have been friends for years. He actually shot a documentary that's coming out later in the year. Oh, what's it called? It's called Lady O'Loughlin. Oh, it's about he's you. Just me around for, he's just followed me around for a few years. Oh, wow. Through the highs and lows. That's awesome. So it's doco, all right. When's it come out? I would definitely be keen to watch it. Well, it's being edited now, so we don't know where it's going to appear. Okay. So I'll keep you posted. All right. Please do. That sounds awesome. Um, I see that you two are doing a show just before Christmas. Is that just, I guess, a continuation of the whole, you guys' friends, him following you around, you going on his podcast, there being a video? Oh, we wrote a play together called Creationism, and um, we play Two Angels. That run's been cancelled, though, because we both got too busy, but we have performed the play at the Adelaide Fringe. Oh. A year ago, or two years ago. Boom. No, this Adelaide Fringe just gone, I think. I can't remember anything. No, I was <laughs> in the jungle during the Fringe this year. So it must have been 2017. But we played two angels um, during creation week, pretty wow. much in charge of everything. We make a few stuff-ups. We bug it up to measurements of the dinosaurs, which is a shame. God wasn't happy. That sounds awesome. I really hope that you get to be able to perform it in more shows, you know. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a lovely little play and it's lovely to step away from stand-up every now and then and, you know, stretch your muscles or something else. Talking of, like, something else, what else have you been up to? You've got the, the comedy run, you've just won the jungle, you know, got any other cool things on the on the sidelines? Um, I'm writing another book at the moment. It's kind of writing itself. The show I'm currently touring is Gap Year, and the book will kind of be that fleshed out. It was a year that I was in a coma. Wow. Pretty much lost. Yeah, I was terribly unwell at my own hands, of course. I came very close to knocking on heaven's door. So, But when I woke up from the coma, there's a great story there of two of my sisters playing a hilarious practical joke on me because... I didn't. When you wake up from a coma, you don't know. You, your mind's rebooting. You know. Right. I've been in the coma for close to three weeks, yeah. and it was very grim. But I woke up, and these two sisters were talking into their wrists in ICU. Oh, it sounded like they were talking to someone, and I couldn't understand what was going on. Emily's talking into her wrist, and Kate's doing the same about me, saying, "Yes, yeah, she's alive." And I lay there, and I said, "What are you doing?" And Emily, my sister Emily, says, she said, it's 
It's the new Samsung microchip implant. Oh. We've all got them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Kate bent down and whispered in my ear. She said, you do know you've been in a coma for seven years. Well, that woke me up. <laughs> yeah, wow. But, oh, my gosh, go them, you know, going through all this trauma of possibly losing you, and then they decide to play a practical joke on you. That's awesome. <laughs> Kind of the way we roll. That's so good. Emily, my sister Emily is one of the funniest human beings I know. Uh, she's the girl that does uh, most of the female characters on Sean McKayla's show, Mad as Hell. Oh, right. Yeah, Emily Tahini. She's my baby sister. So. Wow. So and you've got a very co- comedian family then. Yeah, and I don't know where it came from. We grew up in a pretty isolated place and... You know, not much happened in country South Australia in the 70s. And we were each other's fodder. I, I remember I told my three-year-old sister that she really needed to lick the bar on the freezer door fridge. It tasted just like raspberries. <laughs> and then I ran for the hill. Um, oh, yeah, fair enough. Sarah's greedy little Sarah's tongue was stuck in the freezer door. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I remember once my brother telling one of my other brothers, he said, there was a new fence that Dad had put in. He said, grab that fence by both hands and just give it a good shake. We want to see if it's steady. And poor old Justin didn't know it was an electric fence. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, no computers back then. Yeah. What a way to find entertainment. That was the word I was looking for. There was no YouTube. Yeah. I love that you even just made that, you know, your entertainment to come up with that sort of stuff. That's awesome. <laughs> it was great. So going back to the near-death experience and stuff, so how long ago was that? That was in 2016. Okay, so very recently. Has your life changed much? Did you come out of that and go like, holy crap, now I've got to do all this sort of stuff because I've just been close to death or is it full steam yeah, ahead? Yeah, my life is kind of unrecognisable now. Yeah, it was incredible. I had a lot of problems afterwards. I physically recovered pretty well. I was given not much chance of that. How long did it take for you to physically a, recover? Uh, about four months, I guess. Yeah. But then... I kind of really didn't cope when I then left hospital um, and I had lost a lot, you know, as you do if you're an alcoholic not in recovery. And I eventually found my way to um, a long-term rehab and I needed to do that for a long time. But I kept thinking, oh, I've got to get, I've got to find the time. I've got to find, not that, you know, there's plenty of government-funded rehabs and in the end I did go to a government funded rehab but it was always like you know I still hadn't had my youngest through school and I just got to wait until and it was just disastrous I needed to go and I went and I stayed I stayed for five months and came out the other side and I just felt like the universe had said would you like your life back and I said yes please wow and then the jungle on top of that was only the year after that so my gosh yeah, everything was on the up and up and what about like mindset had you gone through any sort of changes like, i mean it must have been a huge thing to put yourself through five months of rehab like i know i've broken ankle once and that whole learning to walk business in my head was the hardest thing it must have been intense for you we take your physicality so for granted, and I guess I'd taken so much for granted. Mm. And I loved rehab. It was really tough. It was very different to... I'd been to what I thought were rehabs, but they were private clinics. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, you lie down a lot, you do what you please. Yeah. But this was really motivating, and, and the people I met there were magnificent people. And there were only about 24 of us, 
and most of us are doing really well. And then you went to comedy. How was that coming back to it after all this time and I guess this massive change? I remember that first gig afterwards and it was just a small gig in Melbourne. It was Granny Bingo run by two gorgeous boys who do bingo and drag. Yep, <laughs> and nice. they have a guest comedian. I think it was in Brunswick somewhere and Joel Creasy came along to support me and I did my first you know, 10 minutes back on the horse and Amazing. I knew everything was going to be okay. Had it changed or you, you got up there and you are like, I've got this, I've been doing it for so long, smashed it? It, it did feel very much like getting back on the horse. Yeah. And I instantly started talking. I've always been very autobiographical, so all of a sudden I'm telling them the darkest stories about the coma. And <laughs> 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 somehow finding the Like the humour in so it. Much, yeah, and there's equal parts pain and agony but that's not what paying customers are there to hear well i think it's great that you've managed to turn that whole thing into something that is an experience and you've seen the the lighter side on it yeah and it's something i think very worthwhile talking about you know there's one of me if you widen the lens of every family far enough you'll find one of me and we are those people that simply cannot drink you know, and I, I don't. It seems weird to me now, but I, what I needed to go to rehab for was to actually learn about my disease. You know, to right. understand it. Society's—it's a weird society we live in, where there is this substance that we all partake in. You know, everyone either enjoys or makes a profit from. But there are a few of us, not many. You know, if you—we're not a huge percentage of people who drink the can't, but we simply can't. It's poison to us. I have an inverse allergy to it, so if I drink, I can't stop. I don't know why they don't teach it in schools. Hey, when you get out there, some of you, this is not going to work for you, ever. Yeah, fair ever, enough. Ever, ever, ever. You'll be the last to leave the party. You'll be embarrassed. You'll make a fool of yourself. You'll feel terror, you know, and on and on it goes. So if we can just take that shame away from it. You know, no one wants to be the one to say to someone, hey, I think you've got a problem, but... It should be out there already. Any of us are sitting ducks, you know. Have you got any sort of tips as to figuring out if you have a problem? Like, how did you sort of make that change and go, actually, got a bit of a problem, kind of need to stop? the problem is, you know, it's all hushed tones. I had an alcoholic uncle and no one ever really talked about it other than his problem. And Mm. it sets you up. I don't know, it's almost like I always thought I was weak. Because I couldn't, you know, every time I drank, I certainly didn't intend to then continue drinking for ridiculous amounts of time. I, every time it was like, I'll, I just want to be normal like everyone else. I just want to have a few champagnes. But yeah. unfortunately, we can't. Right. And they don't know why. And I'm not past caring the whys or the wherefores. Yeah. Just that as long as there's alcohol, there will always be alcoholic. Oh, uh, you know, yeah. It's not going anywhere. Yeah, so, for sure. I'm really interested in that because I've tried to give up alcohol, but being, you know, like in the radio and media and stuff, wanting to be that social person and like to go up to, and talk to people. And it's harder to have conversation flow when you're sober. Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful thing at the start. It's a social lubricant. For mm. me, it always felt like the solution. So I'm quite shy in a weird way. I, I the think it's the loudest show off you'll ever meet that's a shy person. But um, <laughs> it's just relearning. You know, I remembered that I loved to laugh well before I drank. So yeah, back in the day when you're find- uh, telling your your sisters and stuff to lick the uh, yeah, the bar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've gone massively off topic, but thank you so much for um, the chat. Can you tell me about your show Gap Year? What are you taking a gap year from? Well, Gap Year, there's a hell of a lot of jungle at the end of Gap Year. I wrote the show before I went into the jungle, and I didn't know the show would have such a happy ending. So 
it does start with leaving Alice Springs and moving to Melbourne and still not being well enough, you know, in the long term. And then the coma and then rehab and then, <laughs> then the jungle. <laughs> it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a trip. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, that, that's, that's my gap year. Yeah. Your gap year from life. After all that, the woman still wants to get up on stage, share her life and make people laugh. It's just phenomenal. If you want to hear about more of Fiona's life, I've chucked a link to the Confessions of the Idiot podcast that I mentioned during this episode. So feel free to check that one out. And if you enjoyed this episode, go on, hit subscribe or just tell a friend about it. Share the positivity, the laughs and the joy. All right. Until next week, catch ya. (laughs) 